Hello and welcome to the NLCC Sermon Podcast. In a moment, we'll listen in on a message from our Sunday morning worship service. But first, if this is your first time tuning into NLCC, we would love for an opportunity to get to know you and walk with you in your faith journey. If you're interested in connecting with this church, head to our website, northliberty.cc, and hit the I'm New button or use the links in the description. Our goal is to help you experience the transformational power of God in your life. And we hope and pray that you find that in this message. Good morning. Words. Words have different meanings depending on the location and the background that it is said. When I was in Northern Ireland in 2000 for a mission trip, There was a word that I heard from uh, my Northern Irish friends that, um, well, frankly, I knew how they said it, but I knew what it meant to me. And um, the word was crack, C-R-A-C-K, crack. And the phrase that they used is, now that's good crack. And I'm thinking to myself, I started to laugh. And I knew that there was something lost in translation between what they said and what I heard and what, what they meant and what I meant it to say. And uh, when I heard it, I, I chuckled. Mentally, I translated that word and that phrase in a much different way that it was meant. Translated in the Irish language or what they meant it to be, it meant to have a good time. So to have good crack means you're having a great time. I don't know what you thought, but that's not how I translated that phrase. Both ways that I translated that, that, that didn't, just didn't, didn't, didn't equate. So depending on your background, depending on where you come from, determines how you translate life, language, and even faith. So let me ask you a question. What comes to mind when I say the word Christian or Christianity? You see, depending on your background or depending on where you come from determines on how you translate it. And so this morning, I want to continue in our current series called Searching for Answers. And this morning, I want to wrestle with the question, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? And see, that that question sounds simple. Yet I find in my conversations with people that uh, the answers vary depending on their background or their experiences. And uh, for some, it can be that that phrase, that, that word can be very fuzzy and unclear. So let me ask you this morning, how would you define that word? Well, let's jump in. Let's go to the text. The word Christian is first used in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And it says this. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So let's break the word down in English, okay, to to understand it in a fuller sense. You have Christ and then the I-A-N, N, the, the ending I-A-N, N, this is what it means. To be connected to or to be longing to. 
So it literally means belonging to or being connected to Christ. We find that word Christian only used twice throughout the entire Bible. So really to understand what it means to be a Christian, we actually have to go, we have to dig deeper. We have to understand the original term that was used before. And so throughout the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the word Christian is never used. There's another term used, and it's the uh, word that we get, disciple. The root word for disciple comes from a Hebrew word. It's called Talmud. A Talmud was willing, uh, willingly left their home, their family, and their occupation to be with the rabbi, the teacher, because they wanted more than anything in the world is they wanted more than anything in the world is to be like the rabbi, their teacher. And so, as the rabbi lived and taught his understanding of scripture, his disciples listened to him, and watched him, and followed him, and memorized his words. And they imitated his walk, specifically imitated his walk with God. See, this is the context in which we get our word Christian, our disciple. And so we see this call to be Jesus' Talmud. Everybody say Talmud. So you can go home and say, hey, I, I learned a Greek uh, or Hebrew word, a Talmud. And so we see this call in Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. And it says this, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he, that's being Jesus, said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending nets. And he called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. In Mark, we see Jesus' invitation to be Talmud to a man by the name of Matthew. Mark chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. And as he walked along, he saw Levi, this is Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting in, at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Look, take notice. Take notice on who Jesus invited to follow him. This isn't the best and brightest. He starts with fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, John. They were common, blue-collar, smelly men who worked hard to squeak out a living for their families. Fishermen, they had no power, no position, no wealth, no possessions to leverage. Nothing, they had nothing to offer but themselves. Let's, let's take a look at Matthew. To quote Mark Moore in his book, The Chronological Life of Jesus, he says this, As far as the apostles go, he was the most unlikely candidate. 
as a tax collector, he would have been violently opposed by Orthodox Judaism. The Jews simply hated this oppressive system of Roman taxation. They hated the the high percentage of taxes. They hated the sheer number of taxes, the taxes of poles and bridges and roads and harbors and income and town and grain and wine and fish and fruit and etc. and etc. They hated how their money was used to be spent on immoral and idolatrous activities, but most of all, they hated what the uh, Roman taxation represented. It represented, Roman taxation represented Roman domination of God's people. Consequently, any Jew who worked for the Roman IRS was viewed as a traitor of the worst sort. Matthew, therefore, was ostracized from all forms of Jewish life especially their place of worship, their synagogue. Did you catch that? Matthew was so hated by his people that he was not allowed to publicly worship with them. Imagine Matthew's uh, first attempt going to the synagogue. He's, uh, he's, he's now a new tax collector, and he decides, I'm just going to go and worship the Lord. And... Uh, he walks, and he's met with a grouchy, grumpy priest. He says, stop there. You are not welcomed here. You see, Matthew was completely cut off. He was, a complete, he was an absolute outsider. Matthew was a, a societal reject. And yet... That's who Jesus chose. I want to pause here for a moment. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe uh, like Matthew. To all of you who feel like you don't have anything to offer. To all of you who feel like maybe you're an outsider. Maybe you're a reject. You're just too broken. You're too much of a mess. Jesus sees you with compassion in his eyes. He sees you. And he doesn't turn away in disgust or disappointment. He invites you with a warm invite. And he simply says, come and follow me. That's it. That's for you. Come follow me. You see the invitation, the invitation is for all. And I know someone in here needs to hear that. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus is inviting you to himself. He is calling you to follow him. So let me ask you this question. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, the first step to follow is faith. There is no way the early disciples would have followed Jesus if they didn't believe in him. And the same is true today. The same is true today. When we look at being a Christian and being a a disciple of Jesus, faith is foundational. Belief in and having faith in Jesus Christ and in God is vital. In fact, Hebrews 11, 11, 11.6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please him. 
For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith, faith is vital, it's foundational. But let me ask you this question. What kind of faith? What kind of faith is this, this faith that, that is required? Well, this faith has muscle and it moves. It's a faith that bubbles over into action, into a life. It's a faith that leads to a movement. It is far from passive. Yes, faith is internal. But its evidence is seen, heard, and felt. James, the half-brother of Jesus, talks about that in James 2.17. He says, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 7, 20. He says, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. And Jesus is not talking about apples and oranges. He's talking about how one tangibly lives their lives. I can tell you what you believe by how you live. I can tell you by uh, how you be uh, what you believe by what you do. And the reason I wanted to pause and address this is because I believe that too many people get stuck in this lie thinking that casual, passive faith in God and, and a passive uh, faith in, in Christ is, is what it means to be a Christian. And the reality is, to be a Christ follower, it's so much more. It is deeper. It is bigger. You see, it's not just a moment when you believe it's a moment of belief that leads you to a journey of following. So what does following Jesus look like? Well, to answer that question, you've got to go back to uh, our, our disciples that we looked at earlier. Um, Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew. So let's go back. Matthew 4, starting at verse 20. He says, immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two, uh, other two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his, his, his brother. And in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Mark 2.14 says it this way, talking about Matthew. He says, as he walked along, he saw Levi, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and he followed him. You see, we see each disciple's leaving something behind to follow Jesus. For, for um, Peter and Andrew, we see them leaving their nets leaving their boat. We see Matthew, uh, we see in James and John, we see them leaving their, their boat and their, their family. For Matthew, Levi, we see him leaving his tax collector booth. You see, they left their prof professions, they left their, their families, they left their possessions. Every one of them left all to pursue their new life as a Talmud under the direction and leadership of Jesus, their rabbi. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? 
To follow Jesus means sacrifice. To follow Jesus requires a sacrifice. Well, there was a time where, where Jesus invited a young man to be his Talmud. He invited him to come follow me, but the cost of following Jesus was just too much for him. Let's take a look at it. It's Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to uh, inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answers. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said, one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, a quick note on this text. This isn't a, a text, a verse, calling us to a life of poverty. Okay, This command was very specific to the heart of the rich young ruler. Jesus knew the thing that this, uh, had the stranglehold on this young man's heart, and he was calling him to surrender it. And yet, the young man, he counted the cost, and he wasn't willing to make the sacrifice. For him, it was too much. But for Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what was lost paled in comparison to what was gained. See, they understood that what they were invited to was so much greater than the sacrifice. Jesus talks about this in the, in the parable in Matthew 13, starting at verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, he went and he sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold, and sold everything he had and bought it. You see, they, bought, they sold everything to gain a treasure greater than what they previously had. And so choosing to be a Christian, choosing to follow Jesus, it requires, it does require sacrifice. But when faith and sacrifice meet, the riches of knowing and walking with Jesus pales in comparison to what was surrendered. That is how awesome and amazing Jesus is. Jesus says it this way in Mark 8, starting at verse 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You see, life, life is found. True life, abundant life. The, the John 10, uh, 10, 10 life is found when we, we are able to surrender what we can't hold of to gain what is beyond our imagination. 
Life is found when we are able to surrender what we can't hold on to to gain what is beyond our imagination. And so is, is sacrifice required? Yes. Does it mean that we will be pushed beyond our comfort zone? Absolutely. But is it worth it? Is following Jesus worth it? Was what was gained more than what was sacrificed? Absolutely. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 7. He says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count those things, them, as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul gave it all up. His positions, his credentials among the religious elite. He gave it up. He gave up his comfort. He gave up his safety. He gave up his health. He gave up his status. All for Christ. And he, he lumps all that stuff that he gives up, and he, you know what he calls it? He calls it garbage. It's garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. That is the treasure that Jesus extends to know him and to walk with him. So let's get practical. What does this mean for our life? Right now, I want you to take your hands and I just want you to open them up like so. Palms up. And I want you to ask uh, this question. This is a dangerous question, so I'm just going to be straight with it. Okay. Um, God, what, do you, what might you be asking me to let go of? Like the rich young ruler, what, is, what has a stranglehold in my heart that's preventing me from knowing you, from connecting with you, from following you? Where are you asking me to surrender? Maybe God is asking you to surrender your comfort. God has been prompting you to, to go and, and talk to your neighbor about the love of God, but you've been using excuses. It's like, oh man, it's awkward. And I, you know, maybe that relationship with my, my, my neighbor will be cut because uh, if I, it's just awkward. And you've been using excuses, but, but you, you're not willing to step beyond your comfort zone. Perhaps maybe um, you're like comfortable and you've been hearing about different mission trips, especially at NLCC, and you've been prompted, but yet you've come up with excuses and yet your comfort has gotten in the way. You've been meaning to. But the excuses have prevented you from being obedient to what God is calling you to. Being obedient to following Jesus. Maybe it's some simple, uh, something simple like sleep. I mean, sleep's a high priority in my house. And so that could be a significant uh, 
sacrifice. Maybe it's sleep where you, you, you sacrifice some sleep so that you can meet with God and discover who he is on a regular basis and, and discover um, who he is in a greater way through his word and through prayer, connecting through him. Maybe it's a, a toxic habit. It's a toxic habit that's destroying you and not just destroying you, but destroying the ones around you, the, the ones that you love, love and care about. And God is calling you to own your choices, own your addiction, and be willing to, to humble yourself and get some help and get some accountability. Maybe it's a toxic relationship. Maybe you're dating someone or you have a friend uh, who is just negatively impacting your relationship with God and influencing your decision. What is God asking you to let go of? Where is he asking you to surrender? I assure you of this. Though it will be a sacrifice, and it might be hard, if you're willing to go there, the reward, the payout, the benefits of doing so will exceed your imagination. Because that's the nature of our God. That's who Jesus is. Ask Peter. Ask Matthew. Ask Paul. Ask him, was it worth it? And you know what they'll say? Absolutely. I'd do it again all over. And if you ask your brothers and sisters around here of their sacrifices and say, was it worth it? You know what they'll say? I'd do it again. You see, Jesus called Matthew, Peter, Andrew, James, and John to follow him, and they did. And he is still calling people to follow him. He's still calling you to follow him. So what does that look like? Well, to follow means that we follow him in the sunshine when seasons are good, and we follow him in seasons of rain and when it's hard. What does it look like to follow him? It means to do what he said and to do what he did. And so let me end with this. I want us to take a look at two pictures. Okay. The first image is of a, uh, some fans. Okay, of a fan. Okay. And uh, sitting on his couch, cheering his favorite team on. Okay. Let's take a look at the second image. Okay, of a player. Let me ask you guys a question. Of the two, which one's on the team? The player, right? Raise your hand if you think the player's on the team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to get too complicated, but yeah, that, that, that's the player, right? Um, you see the fan. The fan can choose to invest or not invest as he chooses. If it rains... The fan can stay home and watch from the comfort of their couch, right? If the team is having a bad day, which uh, as a Bears fan, my team is having lots of bad days, <laughs> um, I can leave the game or do what I do. You know, after the game, is you know, like I'm not going to allow myself to emotionally attach, okay? But as a, as a, as a, and as the game approaches, how much... 
How much does the fan have to prepare for the game? I mean, order some snacks, you know, get some pizza. Like, it's zero to minimal investment. For the player, guess what? It's much different. The player is fully invested. No matter the elements, no matter the elements, the, the player is f- fully committed to the mission. If it rains, he is there. If it's freezing temperatures and blinding snow, he is there. If it's sweltering heat, he is there. For him, it means long hours of grueling physical training and practice. It means long hours in the film room, studying and reviewing and analyzing. For him, it's a complete, or her, it's a complete investment in body, heart, and mind. It's blood, sweat, and tears. So between the two of them, let's tie this to our walk with Jesus. Are you in the game or are you on the couch? Man, Jesus is inviting you. He says, come, come, follow me. Yes, it'll be hard, but it will be an adventure like you have never made. You, you can, beyond what you can imagine, Jesus is calling you to his his team, are you willing to step up and follow? If you found value in this message, then we want to encourage you to subscribe to this channel. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, then please share it with them. NLCC has another podcast called The Other Six, where we discuss what it looks like to have an everyday faith on the other six days of the week. You can find that wherever you listen to your podcasts or there's a video version on our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening in and participating with us. We look forward to doing this again with you next week.